So when you like first walk into a bar and you see like leather guys, you see twinks, you see drag queens, you see blue collar guys, you see cowboys, uh, gay can be anything. Gay could be anything. Hello, my name is Kay Anderson and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories that they created there and the people that they used to know. So I am often guilty of romanticizing small town queer bars because I think there's something really magical about everyone being in the same space and not segregating and splitting off into different sub-communities like leather and lesbians and bears. Oh my... But there are also downsides to this. Being in a small city or a town can kind of get in the way of you having the freedom to explore who you are or even just explore the different sides of yourself. And this is true for this week's guest, Pepper, who you might know as a finalist in the drag competition series Call Me Mother, who started to feel tricky and a little bit boxed in when people were celebrating her drag character, but weren't really so interested in her non-drag self, Michael. We caught up to talk about The Roost, a legendary bar in the Canadian city of Edmonton. And along the way, we chat about what we lose when the community gains wider acceptance, learning to be certain of who you are, and the magic of that little decade known as the 1990s. Let's get into it. ourselves back to the 90s okay for those of us who weren't there and like there are grown human adults that weren't there which is mind-boggling describe the 90s in five words oh adventurous exciting tacky (laughs) fun and what's the word i'm looking for i want to say juvenile just not knowing. <laughs> not knowing. Ignorant. Ignorant. Yeah. Okay, so there's yes. lots to unpack in all of these. Let's go with not knowing first. Yeah. The ignorant bit. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, the community was known about but not known about. Like it was still in its own area, if that makes uh-huh. sense. It was still a time of being out and being proud, but not being out and being proud. <laughs> so are you saying the wider population was ignorant yes. rather than the queer community? Okay. Yeah, well, in the queer community also in a way, we had put ourselves in a box because we had been in that box. Oh. So we kind of lived in that box. Oh, so much. So, so, so many follow-up questions. <laughs> so, yeah, the first thing I was going to ask was, is that a good thing or a bad thing to have your own boxed-off community? But it seems the connotation might be that it's not. Well, ignorance is bliss, yes, no. But it was a very, um, you know, chosen family and stuff like that. Mm. We were all initiated into this chosen family without choice. Like, it's not like we had chosen. <laughs> so, okay, wait, a chosen family that you didn't choose. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> you're just part of the community. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, I found as queer culture, drag, everything started to become part of media uh, and Mm. everyday life. Like, it just became part of life. Like, before, it was like, we're all chosen family because we're the gay people at the gay bar. But now we're Mm. all over the place. So you choose your chosen family. (laughs) So good thing, bad thing. I think a good thing. We are stronger as a community, but we're even stronger as we grow. But what do we lose when we grow? 
Uh, I think a bit of our, like, how do you put it? Like, in a way, gay culture got a little whitewashed. In, in a way, like, it, it a was... A little? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it was no longer ours. It was now part of the world's mm. speculation, knowledge, and interest. So, mm. yeah, that changes the game. So how do you respond when a white suburban girl that's never stepped foot in a gay bar says something like, yes, queen. <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> yes, like, it was. Imagine, <laughs> imagine I said that well. Right. In all honesty, like, especially being a drag performer, because we do get the attention, uh-huh. like, from people. I I am a very chill, go-with-the-flow kind of person. So I'd just be like, yes, dear, you're living your life. That's lovely. Just do it about two feet further back. and <laughs> Make sure you don't touch me. Yes, yeah, pretty much. But I, I'm more than happy that our culture and our art forms and our being is being celebrated and being enjoyed and it's bringing happiness. So there's nothing wrong with that. But like from a distance. <laughs> so not even a smidge? Can't get you to say anything even like kind of negative about the suburban girls about the suburban girls probably not no they they come to my brunches they put yeah. money in my pocket so i appreciate them greatly <laughs> it is two different environments you know like when you're out at a show uh it's one thing when you're like at the club and it's your night off and you're trying to enjoy evening and someone's like oh my god you're pepper blah 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 it's like yeah, I am, and I'm trying to enjoy my martini, so thank you. Um, so yeah, it is a double-edged sword, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. they do, they pay my rent. I do very well because of adorable little suburban girls living their life yelling, yes, queen! <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, then I won't try and bait you into talking about them like that. So let's go back to these five words. Okay. The other one I want to pick on and understand a bit more is tacky. <laughs> So why was the 90s tacky? Oh, I just think the fashion was beautifully ridiculous. Um, Like, I, (laughs) as a performer, as, like, a queen, fashion is part of our art form. Mm -hmm. And I personally studied fashion. Like, I have a great interest in it. So, like, eras and pulling references from different decades and things like that. But you see how fashion repeats itself. And I felt like the 90s held on to, like, the worst qualities of, like, the 70s. And it brought it back in, like, the most, like, obnoxious color-coordinated patterned way, if that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) So tacky is purely about fashion and not about anything else. Yeah, yeah, just like the looks. Okay. The, like I literally lived in midriff in the nineties, like dead of winter, and my abdomen would be right. Wow. All like I lived, lived in midriff, and like looking back at like photos and stuff, I was like, buy a shirt, like buy a whole shirt, you dumb bitch. Well, like, pull your pants up. Yeah, one or the other, do something. <laughs> that is enough belly button. We are good. <laughs> Okay, so the reason that we're talking about the 90s today is because the bar that we're talking about, The Roost, is the bar that you started working in in the 90s. So why don't you take us back there? How did you first come to know of The Roost? Um, Like right now, Edmonton unfortunately only has one queer space, but back in the 90s, there was a few. Um, but each had, like, a vibe, and the Roost was, like, the club. There was, like, Boots and Saddles, where all the older gentlemen went, uh, like, an afternoon beers, like, that kind of vibe, very chill. Uh, there was a lesbian bar, I can't remember the name of it, uh, but the... Uh, <laughs> right, surprise, surprise. Oh, uh, lesbian <laughs> <laughs> Um But the Roost was, like, where everything came together, kind of thing. It was the it pretty much. Ah. And mm-hmm. so at what age did you start going out? Probably like 17. Like I was with the legal age here is 18, but it was over yeah. like 30 years ago, so I'm sure we're fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so what did you know about the roost before you went there? Like did you know that it was the place to be? Uh everyone knew it was the gay bar. Like it was just known as the gay bar. Uh-huh. Right? So if you were 
queer curious <laughs> or like knew that you were gay and like finding a way to come out of the closet. It was the place to be. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it was the bar. So do you remember then the first time you ever went there? Um, barely, but I, I remember the feelings, like if that makes mm. sense, like the excitement, the nervousness, the because I was sneaking into a bar. I was <laughs> like I had someone's ID. And, um, well, and did you go on your own then or were you with someone? We were friends. Like we went as a group. And was it a bunch of straight friends that were there to support you or had you found other queer people? So I was very lucky. I went to a performing arts high school here in Edmonton. Oh, I will say no more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where like I discovered gay people, but they took me to the bar, ah, you okay. know, the cool kids. And so had they already been there before and they were like taking you under their wing yeah yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it was it was really lovely it was kind of like a rite of passage I guess okay and so the feelings what were the feelings you were afraid because you were like maybe they're gonna figure out I'm not 18 and they're gonna kick me out what else uh just excitement and sheer awe like I had been to only one or two other places or besides like high school parties you know like this was bigger than life. Um, the Roost was a really large bar. There was a main floor, and then there was an upstairs. There was a deli area. There was a back area that was all like pool tables and pinball machines. And then there was a giant patio. So it was ginormous. You walk in, and uh, there's co-check and stuff. And then you walk into the bar. And then mm-hmm. I we just started exploring. Like, they just started... Like they had been there, so I was just following along, like with my little, yeah, my little rum and coke. And I'm like, okay, let's go, Dini. Right? So I was just like in awe, looking at everything as they were like doing the rounds and saying hello, and you know. At this point, where were you on your, for want of a better term, and I'm doing this in air quotes, queer journey? Like, had you fully come out to yourself by this point? Had you come out to? family or other people or were you still all like oh I don't know I'm maybe I'm interested yeah I would say it was on the brink I I had already known I was gay um but I had no reference of what that was Uh so I didn't really understand it or accept it to myself growing up I was a dancer and the other guys would call me fag and it was always such a negative thing so I just associated gay with negative. So like, I've always been myself. I've always been flamboyant, excitable, loud. Like, I'm just me. Uh, but mm-hmm. picture it, like, high school, first grade 10, year of high school in a performing arts school. And I, like, get in there and I'm in the dance program. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm straight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, girl. No, yeah, no, really, I'm straight. Yeah. And they're like, okay, honey. <laughs> like, sure thing. Uh, and throughout that year... I kind of slowly came out. So like grade 11, uh, if you saw the two pictures, like my first picture, I'm like glasses, mullet. I, it's horrible. It's so horrible. And I'm like half asleep. Yeah, it was like, right. But then my next picture, like the next year, I'm literally like, (laughs) just, yeah. And I was like, this is me. So grade 11 is like when they finally, I was like, okay, so tell me about the gay bar. And they're like, well, let's just go to the gay bar. Ah, So it was quite quick then between Mm. accepting who you were and then going to the gay bar. Yeah, yeah. I was like, fast track this shit. Like, I'm like, (laughs) okay, the the closet door is wide open. Let's explore this lovely new world. Let's go. But was there still a healthy dose of residual guilt and shame following you around? Uh, Of course, a bit. I, I wouldn't say... Guilt and shame, I'd say more confusion. Uh-huh. It, it What people don't, like, get, well, in the hetero world, um, coming out at that time, especially, there wasn't a lot of gay representation. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have things to reference anything to. So when you, like, first walk into a bar and you see, like, leather guys, you see twinks, you see drag queens, you see blue-collar guys, you see cowboys, uh, gay can be anything. Gay could be anything. So I did go through this state of confusion where I was like, what gay am I? Like, where's my little tribe within all these tribes? And that turned me into a chameleon 
like when I'm with these people, I'm this Michael. When I'm with these people, I'm this Michael. And it took me a long time to figure out who Michael <laughs> was oh, amongst all yeah, these yeah. other. So do you still have that yeah. then, where you just kind of adapt to the situation that you're in? Uh, yes and no. I'm very much more realized in myself now that I'm long in the tooth, like, bitch, I'm old. Let's face some facts. <laughs> like, straight up, I've lived some life. One of the greatest things about getting older is not giving a shit about what other people mm-hmm. think and stuff like that. And that's really helped me accept who I am. But I am a, like, I've worked in customer service for decades. I'm naturally adaptable. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I know yeah, how to yeah. talk to people. I know how to control a conversation. I know how to sell and how to Ooh, connect. Interesting choice of words. Control a conversation. Yeah. Is that what you're doing now? Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I'm trying to be just very receptive. <laughs> like very <laughs> improv, right? Yes, and. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting. I think I have this same kind of thing that, you know, I consider myself to be the quiet, introverted person. But if I'm in a room full of quiet, introverted people, I'm like, right, everybody, let's get on the table and dance. Yeah. <laughs> There's just something that gets triggered in me where I'm like, oh, this is missing. I need to fill this space. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa. If I'm in a room full of really loud people, I just retreat inside myself. Yeah, same. I, yeah, it's really yeah. interesting when you meet people who are just this one thing all the time and they don't adapt. And I'm kind of like envious of that. Yeah, it's a very true streak of self-confidence and um, I guess self-awareness. Or like, lack of self-awareness. Or maybe. actually that, yeah, very good point. Because uh, <laughs> I, I find I'm overly aware of like other people yeah. and stuff. And sometimes I feel that can be a negative trait when I need to be focused mm. on myself. Yeah, yeah. Like you're too empathic and you're too concerned mm. about everyone else's needs that you forget your own yeah Oof. yeah yeah I'm, I'm bad at that that was my hindrance on the show on call me mother i felt like i should have been a little more focused on what the hell does pepper need to get done not, <laughs> not justin how are you feeling and like how can i help oh. here and what can i do for you so more beyonce less michelle amen amen <laughs> but you know you live you learn you grow that's all we're just trying to Climb that mountain higher. (laughs) (laughs) So then, this first time, you're going with a bunch of friends. So you're kind of cocooned. You've kind of got this support network around you. You're following them around. You're agog at the the space and the people in it. What happened on that first night? Oh, it it was a pretty, like, normal night at the bar, I would say. Like, I, I... flirted like do you remember flirting with people like not being wait 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 wait. Yeah. this was your first time you were 17 yeah freshly out of the closet this was your first time in a bar and you flirted well bitch i was horny as fuck like it's been 17 ah. years <laughs> and now i was like oh my god there's dick around that i'm allowed to actually like flirt with <laughs> but, but but was this the fear not overcoming any sense of Well, it's a margarita of emotions and you just like (laughs) sip at it. Like, of course I was nervous and I was frightened, but you get checked out and stuff. And so you return a smile, you, you know, you bat an eyelash and like nothing happened. I didn't like hook up with anybody. But when you're a young gay guy in like high school and life and the mall and in your world and you see a hot guy, uh, you you look at the Hawkeye, but then no. there's this. Yeah. No. <laughs> but then I look away. And <laughs> show no weakness, right? But like checking out guys, and then you stop yourself because you're like, you can't do this. You know what I mean? Like this is wrong. I can't yeah. do this in public. I shouldn't be looking at a, a boy uh, and worried about how the boy will react if he sees you looking at him. It could go any which way. So to be in a bar where I was like, if I'm looking at a guy and he sees me looking at him, he knows why I'm looking at him and he's okay with me <laughs> Like looking at him. He's looking at guys too. You know what I mean? It was like the first time that it was okay to, hey, how's it going? <laughs> See, I think it took me a long time to be comfortable with that. I think I was always just terrified of showing anyone interest. But so in your flirting style, are you more the aggressor or the other one? I'm the prey. I'm totally the prey. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I wish I was. Like, if you met my husband, he's um, 
the aggressor. But I, I have always seen myself as the prey. But I like it. I, the art of seduction is a beautiful dance. And it's a shame that it's slowly dying because of grinder and scruff and apps and technology. But yeah, I, I was a dancer and I'm very aware of my body. Uh-huh. So I would know how to present things like, why do you think I was in midriff? I had killer abs. I was like, <laughs> 17, barely. Like, yeah, I, I was, it was finally nice for guys to like look at my body or um, me feeling comfortable to flaunt my body in a sensual way. Uh, but uh-huh. yeah, I would literally like pose and just look good and guys would come to me and then be like, hey, how's it going? And be like, yeah, but it would be rare that I would approach a guy. Okay. Okay. So that makes a little more sense for me then. So that on your first night, you were responding to people putting down hints rather than going up to people and being like, hey. Yeah. Just sniffing up legs. (laughs) Hey, how are you? What's going on? Yeah. No. Yeah. I would just, yeah, you just smile and you look cute and someone buys you a drink. It works out very well. Oh, yeah. It's nice when they buy you a drink, isn't it? (laughs) It is. It is. (laughs) Okay. So we've talked about the night itself, Mm. but I'm really interested in what having gone there meant and like how it changed your world. Oh, it completely, it completely changed my world. It like when you're that age, your um, attention span is not as wide. So suddenly my life was the roost. Like that's just life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the weekend was literally what I was living for. If that makes sense. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. But I guess the question I'm asking is like, did it make you more certain of who you were? Um, no. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, because, like, I was still trying to figure out who I was. And mm-hmm. I got him at the bar. It was even more confusing. Like, it's just, uh, like I said, the vast of uh, gay is everything. Gay is a- everything. And trying to put that into perspective was hard and it made me question myself like I went through so many different stages you know what I like phases like I was goth for a while I was a raver for a while I was just trying on different hats to figure out who I was and also for acceptance like everyone wants to be popular and wants to have friends Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it was like I like hanging out with these people this is what these people are into so now I'm into this kind of thing you know, it sounds expensive as well. Did you have to like come up with a new wardrobe every three months? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I'm a crafty bitch. I'm a I'm a thrifty crafty bitch. So you know, she works it out. She works it out. Just um, dye everything black one month. Done. Right. Like done. <laughs> Add some sequins to it. Yeah. Yeah. So so you were no longer at this point where you were like, uh, no, I'm straight. You were like, yeah, I'm definitely gay. Yeah. Definitely there. But who am I within that? Yeah. A lot of it comes down to, let's face facts, uh, gay is a sexual orientation. It has to do with sex. And that's something that I wanted to explore. I was like, I... I, I, You don't need to wear lots of clothes to explore sex. uh, No, no. But trying to figure out what guys I was into. Because at first, I feel like whoever would show me attention, then I was like, okay, I this is... The type oh, this sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, I'm like, so this is my type, I guess. Or like, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, well, I'm sure we'll probably get there, but drag completely changed the game for me in the bar. Like when I started doing drag and how that affected my sex life and ah. my approach with men or my relationship with gay men completely changed with drag. But when I like first started going to the bar and I was just this like guy, mm-hmm. I, I only, like I said, I'm the prey. So I, like, whatever came to me, that's what I assumed was my type until, like, I got older and I was like, no, I can be into this, I can be into that, I can be attracted to this and attracted to that, and understanding attraction and stuff like that was just a whole process, but, Mm. yeah. But isn't that interesting that you... 
I'm going to generalize about young people here. Yeah. Sorry, but like that, you're always in such a hurry. Yeah. At that age, to be like, oh, I need to define this. I need to make sure that this is absolutely clear. And there's just no comfort with the ambiguity and not knowing and just being like, oh, maybe I'll figure it out one day. Maybe I won't. Oh uh, no, it's like everything is like an intense intensity. Like it just, you have to deal with it. Like, you know what I mean? Or you have to like figure it out. Time is completely different when you're young. It's completely, mm. completely different. Yeah. So then let's, let's talk about this drag thing. So oh, 17 child. was when you started going to the club. Yeah. When did you start drag? Shortly after, 18 or oh, 19. Okay. Uh, I quickly learned that the club was just like high school. There's cliques, there's popularity, there's all that kind of stuff. Uh, drag queens got attention. Uh, I wanted to be the star of the bar. Like that was, the bar was my life. You know what I mean? So I was like, Mm -hmm. I need to own, I need to (laughs) like, yes. And being a dancer and a performer all my life, I was like, drag, I can rock this. Like, and I was a Mm -hmm. skinny, tall black guy. Like (laughs) I was already seen as very androgynous not mm-hmm. by choice. It was just my body type and oh, oh, everything. Dress you were showing off, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that didn't help, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, struggled with that. But drag came. I was good at it. I was very good at it, and I was celebrated for it instantly, which mm-hmm. was good. But at that time, everyone wanted to party with the drag queen. No one wanted to sleep with them, and mm-hmm. I was not aware of that. <laughs> that other side. Oh, you weren't um, aware of that. Yeah. Interesting. I was just like, they're popular. They must get everything. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Thinking, hopefully men, <laughs> as well as drinks and party tickets and <laughs> tips and stuff. But men are at the top of the list, right? Uh, but yeah, it was very taboo for guys to date drag queens. Like it's, um, I didn't realize I had to butch shit up until I went to the bar, if that makes any sense. No unpack it i'm always been flamboyant and stuff like that Mm. and when i got to the gay bar like in the 90s i feel like that was a time where gay men fought against femininity to prove Mm. their masculinity yeah yeah yeah, and like that really annoying thing that people used to say like oh i'm gay but it doesn't define me yeah it's not important don't pay attention to it. It's got nothing to do with anything. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, or okay, straight fine. acting. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm acting. straight yeah. acting. And I'm like, so what is that? <laughs> You're carrying around a kid? I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> but the, I, I, I didn't realize I needed to be more manly to fit in, in a way, at the bar with a mass majority of the men, like the group of men. And no way to learn that lesson better than by dressing up as a woman. Of course, of course, <laughs> right? It, it was really, really hard. There was only like three black drag queens in the community. So mm-hmm. I was very visual, if that makes sense. Like I was recognized in and out of drag. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was something I couldn't hide. Ah, okay. So even if someone met you in your boy form, they would know that you were a drag queen because you were so prominent yeah, in the scene. Yeah, exactly. And the bar was where everyone met everyone mainly. It was where mm-hmm. that you like met guys outside of the bar. Like I started dating a guy uh, we met outside of the bar. It was like at a party or something like that. But we dated for a short while and then he found out I was Pepper and he broke up with me. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, well, at least we... <gasps> Should we name and shame him now? I don't even remember his name. Right? <laughs> oh, okay, so you were heartbroken. <laughs> All I remember is, I remember the feelings. Um, yeah, it was heartbreaking. Well, but... anyway, he's an asshole. If you're listening to this, you're an asshole. Amen, yes. Pretty <laughs> bastard. But yeah, it was hard for a long time. Mm. And did you get attention that you didn't want from certain men because of being a drag queen? Yes, well... Um, it's, uh, I, I don't want to say anything that's going to like cancel me, but it is a fetish. Do you know what I mean? Like for some yeah. people it is a fetish and I get that and I respect that. Do you, as long as no one's getting hurt and everyone's having a heyday, then mm-hmm. rock it out. But it's not mine. I don't have sex and drag. I have no desire to have sex and drag. I do not find drag at all in any form, shape, or form connected. You've never tried it even once. Uh, no, no. Is it, it just, Why would you not dip your toe in that pool? <laughs> dipping your toe in every other pool. I know, right? I, like, <laughs> you make me sound like... <laughs> oh my goodness. No, uh, it's just there was no 
no desire for it. Like it's just didn't appeal to me at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I saw it as like dancing. Do you know what I mean? Like I saw it as my job or like work and it was something I was passionate about and I was gaining like insane popularity. So it it was fun and exciting, but that's just not the avenue that Mm -hmm. I saw going down. I got hit on a lot. Like I would get hit on by some beautiful men and I was just like, all of this is fake. All of this. Like <laughs> I'd hand them a boob and be like, there you go. Give it a squeeze or two. Get your get your jollies. Thank you so much. Have a good night. This used to be a mattress. Um, yeah. And there's a weird thing as well about how the dynamics of the relationship can form if you meet someone in that way mm-hmm. because they are in love with someone who's not you but has the same face as you yeah exactly that was the thing that was the main thing is like i couldn't do it because i was like you're not with me you're with this character that i play and it creeped me out you know what i mean i'm like mm-hmm. i'm lying like because <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. i'm not myself in this moment and then i suppose the, making massive assumptions about you based on the information that you've given me i'm sorry <laughs> to, to, like to shut me down if it's wrong but because you will respond to the person's need and you're empathic, then you would feel that pressure to be 100% every time you saw them mm. if they knew you as Pepper and liked Pepper and didn't like you for you. Yeah. It, it was a lot to gauge and you do see true colors of people and stuff. Like, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird when you have a mm. ultra ego and that alter ego is very much in the spotlight and celebrated. It, it's confusing. It's exhilarating. I'm, I'm writing, I'm, I still have to finish it, but it's almost done. But I'm writing a one-woman show called Drag a Love Story, and it's pretty much addressing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I, b- being a dancer and in tune with my body, I was very good at being sensual as a woman. Like, I found it very easy to be sexy as a woman, which made it confusing because I was like, how do I be sexy as a guy? Uh, Because I'm a guy and I want to be seen as sexy as a guy. Uh, But I always played the sex pot in drag just because I did it well. So this confused me where I was like, this is being so celebrated and I'm being so admired for it and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I was like, is this what I'm supposed to be? Like, am I supposed to be feminine and stuff like that? Like, deep down, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a circuit boy. Like, I wanted to be a muscle guy with all the guys with their shirts off and tight pants and short haircuts. And that's, like, the group I wanted to be in. But at that time, I didn't feel like I could. And it was mm-hmm. heartbreaking and confusing. And it's weird the kind of pressure you put on yourself when you are naturally good at something and when people recognize you for something, you suddenly feel that you have to do that thing, Mm -hmm. that you no longer have a choice, right? Like, oh, well, everyone wants this from me, so I better do it. I better learn to like it. Yeah, totally. Or it's like, or else, what else am I? Like, what else are they going to... This is the only value I bring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was very confusing and very hard for a long time yeah how did you come to the other end of that um sadly my mother passed away and I moved to Toronto because I was like technically there's nothing holding me here like I had friends Mm -hmm. of course like I had a huge chosen family and tons of friends but my mother was my connection to Edmonton and I felt like it was my chance to be Michael like to make the kind of first impression of Michael instead of Pepper Mm -hmm. because in Edmonton it was just, yeah. So um, I remember like when I quit the bar, I like went into the bar and everyone was sitting in the exact same seats they were sitting in yesterday. And it was like the same people. And it, it just, it felt like Groundhog's Day. And I was mm-hmm. like, I have to make a choice. Either this will be my life, which it could be a very good life. Like there was a bartender that worked there for 20 years or whatever and had a great time. You know what I mean? Like, I I could work at the bar or I could set off in some kind of adventure because I knew that if I stayed there, then that would be my life. Like I would just end up Mm -hmm. working at the bar. And so going to a new city helped you recalibrate and figure things out on your own terms. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Very much so. I went for film school. So I was studying a new passion and like it was 
amazing. But also, I was making friends as Michael, and I was making friends in an environment that had nothing to do with drag or gay. So it was very new adventure, which is what I wanted. So I, I was very happy. I still dabbled in drag, obviously, but it's just like I wasn't doing it like I was in Edmonton, where we were doing shows like every other weekend or every weekend, you know. Uh, what's that like when you put Pepper in a box? Oh, it was relieving. <laughs> ah. uh, just because I had been Pepper or just connected to Pepper for so long and through people's eyes, it, it was nice to just kind of like pack her up and be like, you just rest for a bit and we'll get to you when we need to kind of thing. And, but, but, you, and, but did you feel the natural pull of drag, the natural, I don't know why I said yeah. that. When you put Pepper away in a box, how long does it take before you feel like, oh, she needs to come out again? The scratching at the yeah. <laughs> door. Um, like even nowadays, if you're not Pepper for like a week or two weeks, do yeah. you feel like, oh, I need to bring her out again? Or are you like, nah, I'm good? Uh, yes and no. Uh, now that uh, like in my career, this is a career. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's work for me, like straight up work. Yeah. I feel like I should be working on pepper all the time or like when i have downtime ah. i'm like oh i should be styling a wig or i should be yeah, working yeah. on a costume um actually painting the face and stuff not so much i should because i should be doing like content and i i really want to start like a video blog or uh something mm -hmm. but i'm old school like these kids who do this like sit in their room and they're like boom boom now i'm in drag i tried that once it took me a whole fucking day the whole day like trying to edit it painting my face like doing the before and the after and i was like who has got time for this shit like Ooh. So I, I paint when I get paid, honey. Like, I paint to go to the club. I don't paint to... I'm going to sit at home and do my tikka-taka. No. <laughs> I, like, but you could, you could make it all work together by recording when you're about to work. Yes, I should put more into it. Like, I get the itch to do drag now that it's more part of my life for fun and stuff. I do still get that itch. Uh, like, back mm. in Toronto... It didn't come forth until I didn't have a creative outlet. Um, working yeah. in film, like being in school for film and like being on a few sets and working on that, that was taking my creativity. So I didn't feel yeah. the urge to be Pepper. Once yeah. that kind of like dwindled out, then I needed to get it out somehow. And I started, I joined a few dance troupes. So I was dancing. So it just became like a, the two yeah. just intertwined. Ah. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting mm -hmm. because you know that like lots of people talk about how their drag persona enables them to say things that they would never say. Mm -hmm. It's interesting what happens when you no longer have that outlet. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I've always found that fascinating because me, I'm very much myself in and out ah. of drag. You know what I mean? Like Pepper, I feel like Pepper is very much similar to me like i'm just a little more ah and ooh and ah wait so michael is or pepper is uh, yeah <laughs> it's hard to say some days um, <laughs> but i have met queens that are literally two different people you know what i mean yeah. and, and i'm like i'm glad you have this to express yourself but it's mm -hmm. sometimes yeah it's shocking and i was like what well, yeah what would you do if you didn't have this yeah. outlet again yeah you'd either have to learn to integrate the two but then, like, you'd just be an obnoxious asshole all the time. Like, you'd have no friends anymore unless you just, have, well, yeah, I don't know. I know. You have to find those people who think it's cute, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Because you can kind of get away with it when you've mm -hmm. got, like, seven feet hair and, like, huge shoes on and tight dress. But when you're just, like, slobbing around in a hoodie, like, yeah. people would just be like, who the fuck are you? Fuck off. <laughs> right. Have you ever dabbled in the wigs and heels? No. No? I think you would make a stunning queen. Why? I, I think you would be very demure. So I could see you be, being very polished and demure and sipping tea. <laughs> oh, see, I think I'd be a total rat bag. It'd be horrible. <laughs> really? Yeah. Anyway, um, so we have jumped around. We were at your first night <laughs> at The Roost, and then we went to Toronto for film school. Yes. So it closed in like when you were in Toronto, like yeah. 2010, 2011. 
Do you remember hearing about it having closed? Yeah, friends reached out to me. Uh, they had a big auction. Uh, they auctioned off stuff from the building itself, like from the interior and stuff like that. And some people sent me some photos because, uh, of course, everyone starts going through all their old memories and stuff like that. So I got like a wave of old like photos, not like <laughs> sending you like pics from your phone. Like people would take a picture people of a photo. People had to take real effort to scan that or like pull it out of a cupboard somewhere. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it meant a lot. But it was lovely. I talked to quite a few people like during that time and we just reminisced. But, but, but what was your response in finding out? Uh, it had been open for like so long. So I wasn't really shocked. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I was like, I guess it's got to end eventually. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But it was for Edmontonians. It was the end of an era. It meant something to everyone, like the community-wise. Yeah, yeah. And so when you did move back to Edmonton, how did the scene feel different? See, that's the thing. When I moved back to Edmonton, like I'm a different person. I'm in my 40s now. I'm more settled, I'm more realized, I have different focuses, and I have different things that I consider important. I I moved back to Edmonton to put my pedal to the metal when it came to drag. Like, my focus was going to be making Pepper a household name. That was my goal. So I, I wasn't going to the club, I was going to the club to perform. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't going out partying. Um, I still had, like, friends that still lived here and stuff. And so, like, I connected with them. But club-wise, it's not a focus for me. Like, I see nightlife as my job now, not my outlet. Mm -hmm. But even though that is the case, surely you're noticing differences or similarities. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's still the clicks. Like, here in Edmonton, we only have one club, Evolution Wonder Lounge, which is a really Mm -hmm. great club. I like it. But now that the queer community is part of life, there's gay everywhere. Like, everywhere there's drag brunches, there's uh, drag shows, there's gay nights, there's... Like, I feel very strongly that queer spaces need to be preserved and they are needed and they are necessary for our community. They're there for us to connect as a community and to help those who are joining or starting their journey and stuff like that to help them feel safe in discovering themselves. But technically, they're not needed as a gathering space. Like, we could gather anywhere. But Mm -hmm. knowing that it's a queer space, I feel, is important. Mm -hmm. And, And so what is it like, then, being... I'm, okay, so I'm not being ageist at all. Yeah, I knew you were going to say all. Like, I'm not. No, 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 no. But you know, like lots of people just like fall yeah. off the scene completely when yeah. they get to a certain age. They're like, oh, I have a dog now, so I'm never leaving the house unless the dog gets to come with me. And they just right. stop accessing the queer scene. What's it like to continue to access the queer scene? And how many times do you use the phrase in my day? Oh, far too often. And I want my <laughs> I literally want to kick myself every time I do it. But I do it all the time. I'm like, well, you know, in my day, blah, blah, blah. Um, I feel very blessed to still be part of and celebrated within my community. I, I find it a great outlet to still connect to different age groups and see what's happening in my community firsthand. I, I totally get, like, personally, I love cuddles. I love cuddling up with my husband and my dog with a movie at home, and that's my heaven. But I feel very blessed that I get paid to go party with the kitties, show them a good time, teach them a little something-something, <laughs> spread my wisdom, honey. I'm a very, I'm a lucky one. <laughs> Do you experience ageism? I do. In the scene. Not in a bad way. It's more humor. Like, it's the go-to okay. joke. All, all the time I get like, oh, girl, you're iconic or you're legendary. And I'm like, yeah, you're literally just saying I'm old. Like, that's all. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a polite way of being like, bitch, you've been around forever. <laughs> right? Um, I, I get booked for everything. Um, I, I, again, like before we were talking about being part of different groups, I, mm-hmm. I still do that. I'm just more in control of it. 
So I get booked for all different kinds of stuff. Like I'm doing a show um, with a younger group. They're a much younger group. I'm not sure what the hell I'm going to do for the show. I have to figure that out. Um, well, just don't call it Ticker Tucker. Yeah, yeah. Like you did before. Right? <laughs> the ticks and the chats and the snaps and the talks. Like I literally, I've been trying to send a text from a calculator for the last 20 minutes. Like I am old. <laughs> I am old. But just the fact that they asked me is really... Like, I find it flattering that they're like, hey, old girl, mm. come come join us kitties and let's shake our asses for some tips. And but they didn't actually say, hey, old girl, did they? I believe if I pull up the... T- no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, okay, so fun, your left side field. The person who asked me is Venus. Now, Venus, they are just adorable. Like, just adorable. Beautiful person. Very young. Very young. So last year, I was Entertainer of the Year. So I was Entertainer of the Year for 2022. Mm -hmm. I was also Entertainer of the Year in... I can't do quick math, but it's been 18 years. It's been 18 years since I was Entertainer of the Year because it was before I moved, right? So Uh it was in my heyday. And Derek brought this up and he's like, yeah, it's like your 18th year anniversary. And then Venus was like, oh yeah, that's the year I was born. It was (laughs) such a kick to the box. Like I was like, oh bitch, that hurt. Like (laughs) she is 18. Like she is... 18 right now. And I was but see, like, when this happens to me, like when people say things like that, I don't feel like, oh, fuck, I'm old or like, blah, blah. Yeah. I just feel like, oh, how could this be? Like, how could you be yeah. an adult human? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. it's true. The mind is boggled. Like, boggled. You mean you could vote? <laughs> right? Like, I, I honestly, it freaks me out. But the, the fact that we do actually connect and we do like each other and we get along famously is something that excites me greatly. Like, I'm like, you weren't even a freckle on your dad's butt cheek when I was partying. You know what I mean? Like, you weren't even, like, a consideration of thought when I was doing what you're doing now kind of thing. So should we go back to those days when you were partying? Uh, whoop, whoop. <laughs> what do you think the roost taught you about yourself? It, it, t- it taught me that I am unique and special. It was a hard lesson to learn and it took a while to get positive because like everyone just wants to fit in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's always your goal. But also being unique and being special is something good. It is something good. And it took Mm -hmm. me a while to flip that coin, if that makes sense. Because at first I was like, I'm a freak. Like, even at the gay bar. like Because in the straight world, I was a freak. You know what I mean? I was was the effeminate guy. And then now I'm at the bar and everyone wants to wear jeans and plaid shirts and act like they're all butch and stuff like that while they're sucking dick in the friggin' parking lot. There is nothing um, butcher than that. Yeah, right. I say. <laughs> right? And I'm like wearing midriff and have my hair in pigtails and running around <laughs> like a crazy person. Like it, it did help me eventually learn that my uniqueness and my specialness is a positive thing. It's so interesting the way, I mean, I know like we're all descendant from people that were in packs that had to be in packs and that the only way they could survive is if they were in packs. So there's something primitive in our brains that say, oh, you have to fit in. You don't want to get shunned. You don't want to get evicted from the group. Yeah. But it's weird that we don't get taught that the longest relationship you're ever going to have is the one that you have with yourself. So make sure that's right before you bother fucking with anyone else. Amen. And we're all just kind of taught like, oh, make sure you go and find someone to marry. Make sure you go and do this. Make sure you have a group. Make sure you get people who like you. But actually, like, none of that means anything. No. If you're like, oh, I'm miserable. Uh, No, I completely agree. It's really so backwards. It's really so backwards. Not until, like, uh, recently mental health has become a rising force of knowledge and, like, awareness, which is what it should have been ages ago. Because exactly that, we were taught to find our pack we were taught to find a mate we were taught to fit into a role like a Mm. job a position our entire upbringing was education on conforming (laughs) yeah yeah and we've all been conditioned to just second guess ourselves at every step but we're also taught 
that you should trust yourself. It's just a ball of contradiction. It's, it's just it's boring. It's really boring. Right. And if you could then take a journey back to talk to Pepper or Michael at 17 yeah. and give some advice, what would you say? Um, if I could, I would sit down, Pepper and Michael, side by side and be like, you're two separate things. Hold on to your self. Don't get lost in this fantasy of being a bar star and being a drag queen or whatever. Make sure mm -hmm. to still have people in your life that are celebrating you for you. Because like all I had surrounding me was all attention on Pepper. So mm -hmm. Michael kind of fell by the wayside and like withered up a little bit. Just because it was all like pepper, pepper, pepper. Oh, I didn't get that sense before that Michael withered. Well, like all my friends were my bar friends. I mm -hmm. I was a only child, so I just had my mother. Um, I was starting to filter away from straight high school friends if they didn't come to mm -hmm. the bar. Some of them did come to the bar, but you know what I mean? And the thing is, it's like having a balance, like having people in your life that celebrate michael uh like i did have friends like bar friends that obviously i wasn't in drag i didn't live in drag so they knew michael and they did celebrate michael but just keeping that balance because i found like all the attention that pepper's getting it does kind of outweigh it yeah but did michael neglect michael oh yeah or did everyone else well because oh, okay. every like everyone's feeding my ego through pepper yeah so it's like oh uh, well michael's not getting any attention so we don't need to really focus on that let's make sure Pepper's super out there and super fabulous because they're the one getting all the Oh, praise. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I prefer Michael, just for the record. Oh, thank you. <laughs> right? Sorry, that was, was such a suck-up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good guy. Yeah. He's all right. Do you have any memories of The Roost or clubbing from your own queer scene that you want to share? Well, if you do, I would love to hear from you, so why not get in touch? I want to create the biggest online record of people's memories and stories of queer clubbing, but I need your help. Go to lostspacespodcast.com and find the section Share a Lost Space to tell me all about what it is you got up to. And as always, there will be bonus points if you also submit some embarrassing photos. You can also reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where my profile handle is Lost Spaces Pod. Find out more about Pepper by following her on Instagram at thepepper.1 and on Facebook where it's at thepepper1. And that's one the number, not one the word. If you like this episode, I would really appreciate if you took the time to subscribe, leave a review on your podcast platform, or just tell other people who you think might be interested in giving it a wee listen to. My name is Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces. <laughs> <laughs>